Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody. I hope you can hear me because I've been having problems with that. This is the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week are Joe and Liz, who are my co-hosts, my compadres, my D'Artagnan and Aramis. Uh, I guess that make Porthos? Yeah, I'm Porthos. I mean, I always viewed myself um, more as a Jacopo. Eh, well, we'll find out. Uh, I, I could have made the Usagi Ujimbo reference, but I can't remember all of his friends. So, because I'm a, But it's also because I'm a weird person, and for some reason, The Count of Monte Cristo is one of my favorite books. It's a good book. I actually am pretty down on it. Uh, just like the vengeance, I just love a character whose vengeance is this intricately plotted. It, it's just one yes. Of <laughs> if you're going to get revenge, by Lord, you better make it make as it much glorious. Make it as glorious yeah. as you can. Yes. I'm going to burn everyone's life down. I'm not just going to. I'm not just going for you, you, you people you, who mess with me. Everybody you love is going down with you. We need more of this in Warcraft. Um. Anyway. Lots of stuff to talk about. Lots of stuff going on. I believe um, we're in the first week of ten point one point seven. Like that started last week. Fury Unleashed. Am, am uh, I? Yes. In? Yeah. Yes. Ten one seven last week, and it's I already was... been overshadowed. Oh yeah, but that happened uh, mm-hmm. because they almost immediately talked about the PTR for ten point two, and now that's all anyone can think of because you know that's that's what happened. Get totally caught up. So before before diving into the news about this, I. I kind of want to go to the pace of content this year. We're getting more content than Blizzard has ever done, which on one hand, it's great to have things to do and to not do like a Siege of Orgrimmar where you're stuck in Siege of Orgrimmar for 27 years. But uh, at the same time, it feels like the pace is so fast. It's kind of brutal because we literally just got patched 10.1.7 last week. Blizzard immediately announced patch 10.2, and that's all I'm thinking about. I'm not enjoying 10.1.7. I'm thinking about 10.2. I did a BT about that. Did you see that? I I did not. One of the BTs I wrote was basically about Mm -hmm. how you get, you know, I'm I'm already thinking about what's coming. 
and not focused on what's out. So, you know, hey, maybe. Bruno See, well, I mean, I guess good news for Listen. me. I'm so disillusioned with 10.2 that I'm really <laughs> enjoying 10.1.7 because well, I refuse to think about 10.2 as much as possible. What's what in particular are you disillusioned? Oh, no. Oh, you do. You, 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 okay. Do you, is this going to be like go, the term based go, talk? Go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. That's there, what we're here for. I mean, do, okay. Do we really have to talk about 10.2 or do you want to go through the other stuff first? No, well, go ahead and do 10.2 now 10. and then we'll see how long it takes. 10.2 is the biggest news of the week. Even though we got a new patch last week, 10.2, the next patch, is the biggest news of the week. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, so, so one of the things that I, I really dislike about every single patch is the amount of, I love it and hate it. It's the amount of class tuning that's been going on. Um, 10.2 is really weird to me in the result of they're really taking a hard look at healing overall. And anybody who's listened to me at any point in time talking any of our podcast, I have been a healer in MMOs and games forever. Like, it is the class I gravitate towards. It's the, the archetype I gravitate towards. And I've played a shaman for nearly two decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and shaman healing has always been sort of like my love. I, and I'm not bad at this. If you've been in a raid with me, pretty dang good. I will. I will hang my hat on that one. Yeah, I mean, Liz raids with him continuously, so she'd know. And and he and I were in Cataclysm Guild together, and yeah. I kept, I kept Matt alive during a lot of real dumb things. Um, yeah, we, we, we basically, if you do Spine of Deathwing. Matt, I soloed that. Tank, yeah, I <laughs> oh soloed that. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, everybody else died, and it was just me and Matt, and we finished the fight. Yep. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what happens. So, like, it, it's this weird thing where, like, I understand why they want to take a look at it. But I feel like they're taking a look at it in sort of the wrong capacities. And I'm looking at it through the lens of Restoration Shaman, where now they are doing everything to push away from AoE healing. Part of this I can understand because AoE healing is very, very strong in Mythic Plus. When you start pushing higher keys, Restoration Shaman become much more desirable because our passive AoE healing is so high And we can focus on doing things like damage, crowd control, and doing other things in those encounters, right? Um, When you start then tweaking it, now it starts changing the dynamic, and they want to focus more on single target heals. Well, here's the problem. The Shaman Kit and Talent Tree was designed for AoE healing, really. Like, you can single target heal, and you can do some really good single target healing, but it really isn't designed for that. So now they're kind of stripping that back leaving the design in place, but reducing the AOE healing numbers and pushing you further towards single target heals with like Riptide and other things. Now, if you go full into the Riptide build, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, It is an insane amount of input or output, excuse me. But for me in my testing, I feel like I'm playing a Druid again. And that's not why I play Shaman. I don't play Shaman so that I can play Druid. I don't want to just put riptide on everything and go about my business or you know go about riptide and then maybe spam uh a couple really big single target heals uh but that's that's a problem to me it is uh it sort of changes the class that particular spec identity and that's what it feels like uh i could rant about this for a while i'm not going to i'm trying to remain constructive about it and i've submitted my feedback on this but it also changes stat priority at that point Stat priority for Shaman for the longest time has really been about crit and mastery and now versatility with a little bit of of concern for haste, 
but not really a focus on Hayes. Just to hit the points. That's just, to, just, just hit the breakpoints. And Matt remembers yeah. this because it's always been that way. You hit your breakpoints, you yeah. can get 2.0 and 1.5. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been breakpoint centric since, yeah, like when I was playing regularly, even in Kata. Yeah, you, your, sh- your Shaman Healer just hits breakpoints for that and then moves on to other stats. Usually it was, I think it's been crit but, forever. Yeah, but so now when you start moving towards a more hot-based class, now you start pushing towards haste because you mm-hmm. want more ticks because more ticks equals the possibility of more crit healing in a shorter period of time and that's what you really or, or just in general a better amount of healing in a shorter amount of time so now you are being forced to completely retool all of your stats and spoilers most male doesn't have a lot of haste on it it is very hard to get male armor that has enough haste on it now that's that's its own thing and i've submitted my feedback on it and hopefully they listen to it and i know a bunch of other folks are in the same camp with 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 me on that one they're also doing a couple things where they're nerfing healer cooldowns so they're taking away a lot of the punch that you get from things like spirit link totem which i have a personal link with uh, cause you know, I was one of the primary feedback people that was being a thing. Uh, so I kind of feel like a little attacked at that point. Um, they're looking at things like healing tide totem, healing stream totem. They're trying to reduce the healing of cloudburst totem and push healing stream totem, which really like is almost a single target heal on a like automatic heal. And then they're also looking at mana regen and trying to rein that back. And I can understand why in a Mythic Plus scenario, but they're doing it across the board. And in a raid where I'm hitting my mana at almost exactly the right amount when a fight ends, that tells me that it's tuned at least properly for right now. And our mana pools don't really grow. Like, they're set. They're there. They are what they are. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I'm getting the end of the fight and I am perfectly out of mana, and this is with using my mana cooldowns and using my consumables and using outside intervention normally, then that tells me that that, that consumption metric is is pretty good, at least for my class. And I don't know about others, because um, I haven't really looked at other healers, but the fact that they're looking at that and saying, yeah, by the way, we're going to nerf Resurgence and we're going to do a bunch of these other things, it is very noticeable on, on the PTR. Like, very noticeable and this got me thinking and maybe this is an off topic but with this big healer change i started wondering they make things where a healer goes into a pvp scenario and like things change like there's buffs or debuffs or skills or talents work in different manners Mm -hmm. and i'm really curious why they haven't explored the idea of doing something like that similarly for mythic plus and instead of, and we've talked about this before, because it feels like they're tuning healing around Mythic Plus and not other group content, because that seems to be the bulk of what like the cutting edge uh, con- group content is now. Is really Mythic Plus? It's not like Mythic rating well, plus, anymore. Let me let me put you with the other thing that I've noticed about that. Mythic Plus groups have room for five people. Mm-hmm. So World of Warcraft has always had this problem where the group consensus on how viable a class is is more powerful than the actual viability if one class has a 0.1 percent advantage over another in a role that class will always win when it comes to getting groups now if you're making a group with your friends that's not so important but a lot of mythic plus is being run by people who are putting together groups 
Yeah, and, and, and those people, they don't care. I want to hear how, this. Oh, go Sorry. ahead. I mean, it's also interesting that people go by, oh, this is the optimized group, when a lot of that, oh, this class is 0.1% better than another class, that's based on play style. You know, the best mm-hmm. person playing this class may play it better than any other class in the game, but the average person is not going to be there. That 0.1% difference is not going to exist unless you're playing with the absolute best players in the world. Otherwise, and, and they're not going to be just 0.1% better than you. They're going to be a lot better than you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and going back to the 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 group the group content separation and I think that's a big thing and it's a topic that I I they have not talked about ever. I don't think ever. Uh and it's something that I I feel really is at a head especially with the popularity of mythic plus as a like a a group content thing mythic plus needs to be looked at in its own bubble and raid needs to be looked at in its own bubble unless you're going to abandon one or the other because when you when you tune specifically for one which they did with healing and raiding and at least in my class and, and spec uh, they, it was more geared towards raid content where it feels like it is perfectly fine right now, not broken, but perfectly fine. Cause I'm not like miles above everybody else. I'm in line with the other healers in, in that we have in the group. Um, Liz got her buff, which was absolutely needed for Holy Paladins. Uh, you know, and you can see the difference. It's like, they like, we're all in the same ballpark, which is what you want from your healers. Really? Yeah. But let me, let me actually, well, hold on, hold on. And then, ties into, but this one does tie into what you're saying. Okay. Your group wouldn't just change a healer if they if they made changes to the gameplay, right? Yeah. But Mythic Plus, since it, very few that's, of those groups are groups, so that's well, why but, I the, think but that's that's a problem. Yeah, and that's why I, I think looking at it this way because that's the problem. Like everything's perfectly, or I shouldn't say perfectly tuned because there's always going to be things you can tweak. It's more tuned in one direction, and the other one suffers, right? So you create you create these biases or this idea that there is an optimal group or maybe there is and isn't, or maybe there's certain classes that excel a little bit more because of changes that were made in one direction, which is why I think really the future of it. And they really need to start having this conversation is do you just start? I don't want to say like looking at them in a vacuum, but like tune one way as your baseline, like maybe raid becomes like the, the accessible overall thing where it's like, this is just flat because it's not going to be, you know, highly scrutinized if everything's working here, then we look at the other thing. What do we need to tweak? And instead of, you know, tweaking everything on a class and swinging it real hard the other way, or in what I like to call the Blizzard pendulum, because this is what they do. Yeah, and they have been doing it since 2000. Yeah, they have been doing it. Like, maybe you start looking at things like they did for PvP, because this is what they did for PvP. Like, this resurgence change is a really good example. This is something where they can just say, okay, cool, you're in Mythic Plus. It does this now instead. And I'm not, I don't want to minimize the amount of work that would be. It's probably a ton of work, but oh, yeah, I think it it's a more but, you know, su- but it's a more sustainable solution than every patch you change how a class or spec works. You know what I was thinking though that didn't happen, and I was always very surprised it didn't happen. I thought they were going to take a a page from Torghast. Yeah. Hmm. Like imagine if they they have buff they have affixes that affect you negatively. They don't have any that affect you positively. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they had a, a random affix that, you know, made healing stronger in this way or that way. You could actually have the dungeons themselves providing you with options that you could pick to buff yourself in a specific way. And you wouldn't have to, like, like there's an option that would give you better AoE. But, you know, Shaman are going to take that one because they already have 
really great AOE, they're going to take the one that gives them better mana regenerate. And you could do that without having to redo the class all the time. But they didn't do that. And I'm, I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. Blizzard sometimes has these great ideas that they bring out in an expansion, and then they never use them again. Meanwhile, <laughs> the idea that you don't want to see again comes back four times. Yeah, uh, and, and and I think it, I think it's time that really a conversation starts happening about that. And hopefully, and I know we have people that that work at Blizzard that do listen to our content, and maybe this will strike a chord with one of them, and maybe this will be a, a, a conversation that can get brought up, and maybe something will change later on. I think there needs to be start there needs to be conversation around looking at that content in a, in, in sort of like their bubbles or, or how do you make it so that you have a baseline that works mm-hmm. and then either adding those buffs for that specific content to get it where it needs to be for tuning for that and then mm-hmm. getting, or maybe debuffs to, to tune it for another content so that you have to do less work on changing the whole of the class. Cause one of the things that I think is really struck me with 10.2, at least from my perspective for restoration shaman is it currently does not feel like Restoration Shaman. Hmm. And it sort of invalidates a lot of the work that they did on the talent choices because now with the way that things have changed, there is an optimal path. There is a best set of talents to just pick. The other ones no longer become an option because they are exceptionally suboptimal. Uh, hmm. Whereas before it was about choice and play style and maybe there were things that were better and you can change stuff around. And I actually like having... Uh, you know, 10 talent trees set up and changing them between bosses because the fight's different. I actually like that sort of dynamic gameplay. And maybe I'm in the minority, maybe. Um, But this is just going to be like, cool, this is my spec now and I'm never going to change it, at least as it stands right now, because this is what I need to do. This is my only job now. This is the only way I can heal. So I... I'd like to come... I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but I'd no, like no, to come, attack come in, this... Come in, Liz, come in. I'd like to go at this from a different angle. I mean... I agree with Joe, but also I'm coming from a totally different perspective. I'm playing a Holy Paladin. I've played a Holy Paladin since Burning Crusade. And, you know, back in the day, Holy Paladins did not have any AoE. They did not mm-hmm. have a single AoE. It was all single target. They were they were good at a small selection of things. They had the strongest single target healing in the game. They had the best mana efficiency of the game. And they had a lot of durability. They were very survival. Oh, they were the they were the best tank healers uh, around. Period, hands down. It's, it's like I I played a priest before I played a paladin, and it's like okay, priest, great, but like if if you look at a mob funny, he's gonna come over and murder you in a single hit. And uh, that was one of the things I loved about paladins. I was really good at specific things, and I could outlast any other healer. Then we got to Cataclysm. They totally turned the class upside down. They kind of homogenized healers a lot. So everyone had their AoE heal. Everyone had their big, efficient heal. Everyone had their small, fast, inefficient heal. And I enjoyed that a lot less. Over the years, I've gotten used to kind of the newest revision of Paladin. The latest is actually probably the least affected healer by these these changes because holy Paladins rely very little on mana. Mm-hmm. We rely on generating holy power, which means stacking haste so that we can get out our holy power generators and cast our big power heals. We don't use a lot of mana. So, but I'm exactly the person who would love these changes they're proposing because it sounds a lot like an old school paladin where we have strong single target healing. We're really good at single target healing and we don't have our AOE options are weaker. Because I I loved playing the game like that. I loved being and, a holy paladin way back in the day. And I and I liked 
being sort of like the swing healer, right? Like it was mm-hmm. one of the things that I really enjoyed about being a restoration shaman all those years ago was I could fill a lot of holes and prop the rest yeah. of the team up and give like give the holy paladin time to wind up the bomb heal because the tank wouldn't go mm-hmm. down in the the you know the two seconds that it took to cast it because I could fill that gap. Yeah. Or that well, there the was thing. I mean, or if Resto there was a was, Resto Sorry, was so good for that that my guild had me play a resto shaman. <laughs> me, I, who had never played a healer ever. They're like, does anyone here have a shaman? I was like, I got a, I got a shaman. Why? What do we need? We need a, sh- we need a shaman healer for for Karazhan. I'm like, why? You've got, you got Jim. Jim does really. No, Jim's a, Jim's a paladin. He's a night elf. He's a blood elf. We need somebody who can come in and keep everyone alive until Jim can heal them. I was like, <laughs> all right. I guess I can do that. And next thing I know, my cat is healing through a fight in Karazhan. Like I'm, I'm really yeah. tired of that story, but seriously, my cat was, was able to hit the two buttons that you needed back. There then. was, there was a certain feeling though with that content, but then again, this goes to that content separation. Cause that's still a raid, right? Karazhan's still a raid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there was this, there's this thing where I miss when healers felt like they had to work cohesively as a team constantly, not just coordinating cooldowns, that part I miss. Yeah. And I don't think these changes are going to do anything to really fix that for me. Especially like if everybody's struggling with the, because uh, this now makes me feed into another thing, which is does this change encounter design? Because if the answer that's, is no, it's going to be a real bad time in raids. And the previous raids are going to be bad too. Because people are not thing, necessarily done with those guys. I mean, that's the thing that really gets me. These changes are practically designed for me. This targets a style of healing that I enjoyed. Sure. These, I should be over the moon about these changes because, you know, one of the problems with pal- Holy Paladins right now is that our mana-based single target heals are really weak and you have fewer reasons to cast them than anything else. These are the changes for me. I should be jumping with joy for these changes. But instead, I look at them and they're way not as bad for holy paladins as they are for other healers but i look at them and i think this is completely incompatible with current raid encounter design which does so much group damage does a vast amount of group damage and aoe's everywhere there and it does it very quickly if people are not topped off all the time they're going to die. The mage is going to go down. You're going to lose your damage. The hunter, let's, like everyone, let's look at the, the echo of go down. the echo of Neltharian is a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. There's constant pulsing damage. There's rot damage. There's dot damage. There's all of this stuff that is sort of like it requires maintenance healing and constant. You, and now with the changes that they're proposing for 10.2 to healing in general, you are now essentially removing the desire for healers to cast maintenance heals because or ability because I don't have the mana to do it. I don't. I'm going to be out of mana two minutes into the fight uh, mm-hmm. if I if I go that route because you're encouraging me to do that, or I have to play in a completely different style than I am comfortable with or want to play, as thus eliminating my choice because if the encounter design isn't changing, I have to play that way, or at least in my mind. And I'm not saying this is what their intent is, but I feel like I have to play a very specific way to keep up with the encounter and be productive. So I, I will say this, and this is not to be hyperbolic, and, and I said this on Twitter, and, and, and I do actually mean this. If these changes go live, I'm probably going to stop healing on my shaman, at least as it stands, because I do not like the way it feels on the PTR. 
and I'll just go it's, back to my hunter because I will I'll just I'll retire the shaman for a while from reading. I mean, you need to play with you, what you enjoy. It's just this is such an odd change. And I kind of agree with Blizzard's stated goals for this mm-hmm, change. Mm-hmm. They want to make us think more about mana. They want us to make more decisions about our spell casting and maybe not just throw out our biggest heal all the time. But I mean, I don't feel like these changes are actually putting us towards these goals. These are just all these are all going to make healing harder. And unless encounters are radically redesigned, healers don't have the room not to constantly cast AOE heals. And in 10.2, with the design they've proposed, that's going to run you out of mana really quick. That's going to wind you up with a raid of dead people. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to make encounters constantly harder all the time without adding the benefit. Like, Joe, you were just talking about how in 10.2, it looks like the best build is just going to stack haste and cast Riptide all the time. That's not adding choices. No, That's not not. making you think about your heals. You're thinking less. Yeah. Yeah, because there's only one option that works for you. And and again, I don't don't mean to, like, have us spend a whole lot of time on it, but, like, it's a huge (laughs) change. It's a massive change Mm -hmm. to the game. One that we haven't seen since, like, the new talent system, really. Like... Mm -hmm. It alters core gameplay of an entire spec, right? Like, this is one third of your group. Yeah. And and also, it's a pretty important part of your group. If you discourage more people from healing, we're all going to spend more time sitting in the LFR queue. Yeah, so and that's the other thing that I think is really interesting, too, is healing numbers, or at least number of healers, is down this patch. Like, this, this... uh, tier in general, um, and I don't know if it if it's an expansion wide thing, uh, but I know that as the expansion has gone on, finding healers and queues is harder and harder and harder. Much more so, at least noticeably now, than it was in previous patches and, and expansions. Usually, like healing gets easier as the expansion goes on, mm-hmm. which means more people get jump into that pool, which means queues pop a little bit faster because healers get almost insta queues. As a healer, I get insta queues, but mm-hmm. that means and that means a lot of people are waiting, and I've seen it when I'm on my like when I'm trying to do DPS or if I'm in a group that needs to uh, that I'm not on my like healing character, like if I'm on my hunter, finding healers is rough. Uh, so like I don't think this change is going to actively encourage more people to pick up or try that spec or that particular style of gameplay. So you're not really helping the shortage of healers either so like you you might be actively hurting it so I, I don't know i don't know what the intended purpose is outside of what they said but as it stands right now they're really not accomplishing their intended purpose as stated i am interested to see where this i'm interested where blizzard ends up after some ptr feedback because i do feel like blizzard has been really more attentive to players this expansion than we've seen them in the past i mean not to say that i don't think they listen to players for, but it does seem like they're a little more responsive this expansion. And so I hope they'll they'll hear the feedback and make revisions. Yeah, I mean, or they, make revisions to raid encounters where different styles of healing can work. This, but right now it just feels it feels real awkward. Yeah, these changes made it enough that I posted on forums. You know when the last time I did that was? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm with you guys. But I think we can move on after this, but it's just it's yeah. It's a weird place, and I I hope that they do listen to feedback because I'm gonna be honest with you. After dang near 20 years of of healing, I don't really want to stop. It's really what I enjoy in the game the most. Well, 
you could join me on the Paladin Pals. Never in a million years. Think, never. Nope. Uh-huh. Not going to happen. Uh-huh. Not going to happen. You hurt my heart. I, I, speaking I, of Paladin Pals, I, let's I, talk I, about <laughs> the cool thing coming in 10.2. <laughs> a new two-handed axe legendary. Yes. Yeah. It's all for one, me. Yeah. Completely for me. For no one else. Just me. Yeah. The first one since uh, Shadowmourne, really, uh, mm-hmm. which was the first two-handed legendary axe ever. Um, yep. But, but, you know, the last time we had a two-handed weapon of any kind as a legendary was, I believe, uh, the staff, uh, Dragonrath, Terracosa. Terracosa, yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do have the current uh, evoker legendary doesn't that we're exist. all getting messages about. Yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't it matter. Must- it must exist because we're all getting zone wide messages about it nonstop. Yeah, I've, someone I get to has see that it. Thing drop for anybody, so. Mm, I mean, same, but someone's getting it. But regardless, um, yeah, we got this new axe coming in. Its name is uh, Fearloth, the Dream Render. If you see that fear, then there's an apostrophe and alath at the end of it. You're thinking, oh yeah, yeah that's you're right. Um, that's that's a very suspicious looking name right there, uh, and and Firak is the one using this thing. Uh, although we apparently don't get it just by killing Firak and, and looting it off his corpse. It's actually like a a quest line similar to um, possibly the Shadowmourne quest line or the Fangs of the Father quest line. Uh, I don't know, you know, we but we do know that there's some sort of there's some sort of thing you have to do over a period of time to get this axe. I hope that one of those things is not. Um, have to go to Ice Crown Citadel and do the Blood Queen quest because oh my god! Nah, it's gonna be Firelands. We're gonna have to go to Firelands. Don't worry about it. Yeah, um, that's fine. I, I'm. I just remember getting my Shadow Morn and it was brutal getting that thing because I was like, uh, I'm a tank in this fight, and you're telling me I have to not tank. Uh, that means we don't do the fight, Blizzard, because I'm one of the people tanking it. So yeah, I'm hoping that that kind of thing is. It was really bad for the blood. Like we had blood, um, blood DKs, and they were trying to do it, and they're like, "Yeah, I can't." I, I and back then this was this was Wrath, so blood DKs weren't the only tanks, but they were a pretty good tank. There were also Frost and Unholy DKs, but Frost were the ones who were like the AOE tanks, and uh, Unholy were the ones who were like the "You can't kill me because of all my diseases" tanks. Whereas Blood was the actual holding threat tanks, which you know, <laughs> people liked that because then they didn't die as regardless however this thing looks really sweet uh we don't know anything about its stats but it's a big flaming axe so it's a a strength axe right we do know it's strength i mean i i say it's an axe just for me because i definitely want it for transmog but it's the retrogen paladin weapon it's for death knights warriors and paladin or or good classes it reminds me it reminds me a lot of the uh the one-handed axe from uh firelands in model wise and i really like that actually yeah, it is similar in model to that axe. Um, it actually kind of looks like a cross between that and the Blackwing Lair axes, hmm. uh, which is, you know, fitting yes. since those are dragon axes. Listen, all I'm saying yes. is that Blizzard needs to give us a quest so that we can upscale Valinir to be usable now because we mm-hmm. did time walking Alduar and I have I have a hankering for my bubble butt, my, 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 my bubble, <laughs> bubble mace again. Yeah, so. but at any rate, I wanted to mention this because, you know, hey, uh, it is theoretically possible that this thing could be for other classes too, um, but I don't think so. so the strength, no. Let me know its strength pretty much. Outside of the, you know, here's a, here's a real question for you, like, and I'm trying to think if I'm wrong on this one. The last, all, all the last legendaries have all been DPS focused, haven't they? Like, except for the, with the exception of the Evoker one, but that's been class specific. Yeah, the Evoker one's class specific, but it is, you know, you can use it for any role. Um, 
For that, the last legendary weapon is, I think, Fangs of the Father or the bow. There's yeah, the bow the, from the Sylvanas. Bow. Yeah, because there's the a Sylvanas bow. bow. Yeah, that's that's a that's a you know basically that's just hunters. It's like here you go. Um, here's your 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 single class legendary that is for DPS. We, we had a healer weapon in uh, Sepulcher of the First Ones, but I believe it was just an ordinary epic, and also it was so bad that none of the healers in our raid group actually wanted it except yeah. for Transmog. Yeah, it was just an epic. Like it wasn't a legend. So uh, you yeah. know, I want to spin off a question here because I think this is something that I think is interesting. There seems to be a mishmash of while they're doing with with the legendaries do you guys prefer class-based legendaries or role-based legendaries um well here's the thing i prefer legendaries that are not class-based but i also prefer them not to be role-based and here's what i mean shadow morn was technically a tanking weapon Mm -hmm. if you were a death knight since death knights could tank with two-handed weapon I think that a legendary should be used by anybody who can use that weapon in any role that they're using. So if if you got a legendary two-handed axe and you're a paladin, you should be able to heal with that weapon. It should have, when you go to your healing spec, it should have healing ability. Like fires you. of purification instead of fires of destruction. I, that's how I feel. I feel like that that would be the best way for that to work. Now, I'm saying this and I realize my fellow warriors are sitting there going, Matt, we can't tank with the 2H. And and I'm looking at you guys and going, yeah, I know. I know. Retribution is, is going to have it and you tank warriors or not. Just just accept it because I fought for years to try to get them to let us tank with, with Titan's Grip and they just won't do it. They just won't do it. It's not happening. But regardless, that's how I feel about it. I feel like it should be, you know... This weapon is usable by people who can use this weapon, and they should all be able to use. So, like, um, shaman theoretically could use a two-handed axe. None of them are going to get this mm-hmm. because a strength and b they dual wield. They don't use a two-hander. Um, but I really feel like they should be able to get it if they really want to use it, um, and they should be able to use it in in their healing spec and in their range DPS spec and in their melee DPS spec. But I don't think that's going to be what we get. So instead we're going to get it's DPS based for everybody who can use a two-handed strength weapon in, as a DPS. And the fact that Death Knights can tank with it is just because they can do that. It's Liz, not it's not a thing. What do you what about you? Um I mean I really loved having class-based legendaries. But we haven't had anything well obviously we have the evoker legendary right now, but we haven't really Blizzard hasn't gone into that since Legion which was all about class specific legendary and the lore behind it i thought that was really fun and this also ties into something matt was just saying which uh again holy paladin our legendary weapon was the silver hand which was a giant two-handed mace which is as big as your character model healing with a giant two-handed mace feels great i love it i transmog into that thing almost all the time because it's great uh I just think they, whether it's class-based or not, I think Blizzard needs, when they're releasing legendaries, we need a wider variety of them because you get a lot of classes that are left out. We have our friends, the Druids, who, what do they get? They just don't get get legendaries. I know that they got a staff because I I had a Druid friend who had Atiash, and I know that they got the other staff. Yeah, but Matt, I mean, Atiash was how long ago? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. It's been a uh, while. It's been a few days. Here's the legendaries that I've seen it's... Druids actually using. And, and I'm not saying that this is in any way she makes it fair for Druids. I've seen a Druid with Sulfurus. Yep. He tanked with it. Because yep. back then it was actually really great for that. 
Yep. I've seen a druid with Atiash because he was my friend and, and we raided together. Uh, and I've seen a druid with Dragonrath. Yeah. And of course, I've seen a druid with Valinir, who was a resto druid because it was an amazing resto druid. But then you compare it to how many DPS legendaries have there been? Yeah. I think and how many, many of them were physical DPS legendaries? But so, I also think it's interesting yeah. that we're in it. We're in the Emerald Dream portion of this of this uh, expansion. And yeah, there should be a special the, legendary for night elves, or, Absolutely. or night elves, or druids, or or something a little more like or night so, elf druids, or night elf druids. But like, yeah. this is a really good opportunity for something like that. I would I would have been really interested in seeing. So it feels like almost like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I I don't know why they chose to do a a, a strength two handed weapon legendary. Um, um, and I say this as a guy who wants strength <laughs> two handed, you know. But at the same time, I didn't. I didn't see it coming. I was completely surprised they did this. I'm, I even think I said to somebody in the Emerald Dream expansion. I mean, the Emerald Dream patch. That's the one where we're getting a big flaming axe. <laughs> like you know, it's okay. Um, sure. I, so yeah, it is a little weird. Uh, I do think it is odd that druids. I feel like it, it, if nothing else, druids should get a special like legendary something, like a legendary I, torque or a legendary ring or something that's just druid. I do want to point out that druids are getting some new shapeshift forms in this patch, which look really cool, but it's still not a cool new. But are they orange? No, I don't know. One of them kind of is. I know the the flame cat is getting like a like a glow up. The flame cat's going to get a new higher resolution model. So there is that. If you want to be a cat that's also on fire, uh, you can can work that theme. I almost want to invite Corey on uh, on voice so he can voice his displeasure. Uh, <laughs> um, I do want to talk a little about, you know, where the axe comes from. And Matt says, we don't know. We don't know. That's true. Yeah. And we, we know that it's related to the new, uh, the new raid, the, uh, I can't remember the name of that tree, uh, but the, we're, we're going to the, the, tr- the, the new world, world tree. Let's just call it new world tree. And, uh, as part of that. Yeah. I'm here. thank you, Liz. Uh, we're going there. As we go through there, apparently the, I, the it sounds an awful lot like how Shadowmorn worked, mm-hmm. where you go, you went to ICC, you got a quest to go get Arthas's hammer from the cave where he dropped it when he was picking up Frostmorn. You go get that thing, uh, you, you take it to Darian Mograine. He then begins making you do all sorts of horrible quests. Eventually, your heart broken, your will to live all but drained from you. Every fiber of your being screaming that you never want to see Blood Queen Lanethel again. You finally got your legendary, and then the expansion was over, and you got to use it for a couple of levels, and then you put it back in the bank, and you didn't use it again until that brief period of time when they did the level squish, and suddenly it was the most powerful weapon in the entire game <laughs> because they didn't they didn't nerf its proc, so you were still getting two thousand strength out of it. Mm. Uh, then they then they nerfed its proc and back to put. My point just being that, that we don't know, but it feels like they're going towards that model, the Fangs of the Father model, the Dragonrath model, the model of you don't just kill someone to get this thing. You mm-hmm. do things to get this game, this thing. You have to earn it. But uh, Blizzard also appears to be trying to keep this under wraps. Mm-hmm. Currently, oh, yeah. they aren't planning on... This is Firex personal axe, so we're going to go fight him and presumably whatever starts this axe acquisition thing is going to come from him. But he's not being tested on the PTR. There are no plans to raid test him, so we don't know what that encounter looks like. We won't know about any drops he does. So until we know how we get this axe, 
I am just going to go with what Matt said about how we might potentially get this axe, which he wrote in this post. And I, I had trouble editing this because I just started laughing. And uh, his suggestion is, will Rathion show up and have us commit a series of audacious heists that end in us literally stealing the axe from Firex's bedroom while he sleeps and replacing it with an exact replica that makes angry cartoon duck noises? I'm just, I'm going to believe that is what is going to happen until proven differently. I just, now I kind of hope that when we fight Firex, he's <laughs> actually swinging the Donald blade instead. I look, I look yes, forward, blah, I look blah, forward blah, to blah. the add-on that replaces Firex uh, raid noises with ducks. <laughs> I look forward to the add-on that replaces Firex with ducks. Just one big duck. But I don't want to. I don't want to hurt ducks. No pants. <laughs> he's a pantsless duck, and he's gonna kill you. And he's in a sailor suit. You guys realize that Donald Duck is basically like a hidden member of the sailor we, suit. Uh, yes, <laughs> and we are gonna move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't wear pants. It's not my fault. Anyway, so yeah, that's happening. The Firex thing. We got so much stuff we haven't even mentioned yet. Yeah, I I, like I've, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we do have to There's talk. There's a lot. Yeah, we, we have to talk about uh, the the druid forms that Liz just mentioned because that is a big deal. Um, uh, they're basically coming in patch 10.2. We we can see them now, uh, but we don't really know what all of them are. But there's we know what most of them are, don't we? I, I'm pretty sure we know what most of them are. We know a bunch of them. I don't think we know where any of them come from. There's a no. new Moonkin form, which is kind of like a Moonkin on fire, maybe? Yeah, There's it's like a like flaming, a, yeah, it's like a flaming Moonkin. It's, yeah, it's it's a fire Moonkin. Fire which kin? is, you know, that might, the other problem too is that we're not entirely sure. Um, the screenshot calls it balanced druid customization in the, in the screenshot label. I'm just mm -hmm. worried that this might actually be the uh, druids of the flame Moonkin form. And then maybe the play that players won't get it. And I, I, I'm going to say to you now, Blizzard, if you don't give it to them now, they're just going to keep making noise until you do. So just, just put it in now. Make this be like a form that, that Moonkin can get. Uh, there's also and like, there's, oh, go ahead. Moonkin have not gotten a new form in a long time since Glyph of the Stars, which allowed you to customize your Moonkin form into, you know, stars. But that's, what was that? Cataclysm? That's been I, a couple of years. I mean, I the, I would not say that there have been new forms just because there's just, been new druids, but they just get their own unique form. They don't get a form that's shared by anybody. Yeah, there yeah. have been new forms for as we've gotten new races who can eat druids, but the old form hasn't really been changed. It hasn't gotten new options for a very long time. So it's cool that Moonkin are finally getting something new. God, I hope so. They deserve yeah. it. It would be nice if they got these new forms. Uh, the Guardian Druid forms, there's an owlbear form. Uh, it's like a, they call it a moss, moss heart uh, umbra claw. So it's that owl cat thing that you saw back in uh, Legion. It, you can now be one of those uh, in Guardian Druid, um, which is kind of cool. It's also kind of weird. I guess this one, it is much more of an owl bear. It doesn't have the cat everything it's just it's got the the owl head it's just like if, instead of being a moonkin standing up and hooting at people it's like they drop <laughs> all fours and start hooting at people i'm fine with as that. they rip them apart with their their claws and talons if you've played baldur's gate 3 you know why i'm so happy about this <laughs> owl bear bombs are a thing oh my god that that game made me love owl bears uh is just just from the first angry conversation with mama owl bear on it just yeah so that's really great um, want bite yeah sorry yeah. The rune beast, the rune bear form, which is the big rock bear that we've seen, the the big rock, rock bear, bear form. Rock bear, rock bear. Yeah, it it looks like uh the the form that they got in Legion, but made of rock instead of being on fire or what have you. 
And uh, this that's there's like getting a couple of those, and it's really cool. The mark of the hibernating rune bear, in my opinion, is really nice. Um, and then there's the bristle bruin, which is I don't even know what this thing is. <laughs> I, I don't know what a bristle bruin is. I, I don't. I is it like like a bear made out of bristles? Like is it like that, that kind of like the Calteris form? All I know is that's going to be there too. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. Um, and then there's new travel forms. Like there's the dream stag and the dream talon. They both get their their own forms. And there's new flight forms like uh, mark of the slumbering uh, somna owl, which is interesting to me. And the feather of friends and the feather of the blazing somna owl. So yeah, there's a bunch of different sleeping owls that you can turn into, including one that is on fire apparently. Which is, I really hope that that means that druids of the flame forms are getting taken by player druids. Like, that uh, would be also, great. Also, there may or may not be a flying goldfish. Maybe? Well, there's there's already a flying fish mount, like you get from the six-month thing. Yeah. So I would assume it's, that assume except, a reskin's coming. Yeah, a, a flying goldfish shapeshift form is yeah, the, kind of hinted similar to at the here. South, yeah, the South Sea Nedron. Is the model in question. It's a giant whimsical goldfish called a whiskerfish. Uh, and some people think it's a flight form. And that's pretty cool. You'd be a big I old mean, koi. Mm-hmm. So I I think that would be amazing. Who doesn't want to fly through the air as a giant goldfish? I mean, uh, anybody who's afraid of becoming a cracker in an even larger monster's mouth. But yeah, no, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, however, we are like eight minutes to end time. So I want to try to run through some more of this. Uh, up ten. until the ten, we nine slash... It's yeah. 913. We also we also started a little late, so we could right. we could go a little longer if everyone has uh first off at nine on on the thirteenth of September, which if as we're recording this is tomorrow, but as you're listening to it is probably yesterday or the day before. Uh the Secrets of Azeroth event is technically not gonna have any more clues released, but it's not going away. You will still be able to do it if you haven't done it already, if you've been like just not doing the secrets of Azeroth for whatever reason, you can go complete it all. It's still going to be in the game. It's just not going to get any further clues. It will basically have completed the, the, the secret reveals uh, and you can still do it. So that's cool. Um, the 28th is where we're going to get the Amazon prime games is giving us the, the tablet of brilliance. Uh, and, and should clarify that is through September 28th. It's here. Now you yeah. can go get it right now through the 20th. Yeah, these through the 28th. Um, and through the 12th of October, the, the Diamond uh, Diablo, I keep saying Diamond, Diablo 4 <laughs> Vermilion Weapons Bundle is also available through Amazon Prime Game. Um, that that one, I believe it doesn't have, it's not for everybody, but I think it's got like a uh, I think a crossbow. And, a yeah. crossbow and like a book for necromancers uh, to carry around. Kind of yeah. silver and purple and spiky, if yeah. that's your aesthetic. Uh, there's also um, on the 12th, which is as we're recording this, and I downloaded it Today. and I logged on. Uh, the Diablo 4 has got patch 1.1.4, which is Who can keep track of all these numbers? There it's are so a many. lot of patches. And yeah. There's been quite, quite a lot of patches. Uh, mostly it's bug fixes. Like There's a lot of bug fixes in this patch. I don't really see anything else except for an accessibility change. Um, screen readers weren't working properly. Uh, but there's quest and event bug fixes. They're almost all bug fixes. And then there's a bunch of miscellaneous bug fixes. Uh, uh, well, the issue where the voiceover lines did not play for the following taunts. I will end <laughs> you. You will die. I will rip your soul there, apart. Die and prepare for oblivion. So I wanted you there guys to is, There is one thing that I do think is notable about this patch. For anyone who wants to finish the season, has been struggling, 
the urn of aggression is one of the season br- season's blessings you can earn as you progress through the season, as you level up, that uh, gives you an experience boost as you go. And that uh, experience boost was kind of paltry. It wasn't that much. Um, but the experience bonus has been increased from 8% to 20% which is probably enough of an XP boost that you'll actually feel it instead of having like a little trickle of extra XP. Yeah. So uh, if you've kind of given up on Diablo 4 Season 1 because it's a horrible grind, maybe maybe jump back in because you could be getting a lot more experience starting now. Although you could just make it not be a horrible grind. But well, yeah, I mean, that would be better. Just make this baseline cool. But uh, at least for now, less of a horrible grind. But um, we should also mention uh, Diablo 3 Season 29 will be starting um, in a few days now because Season 28 just ended on Sunday as we're recording this. And uh, Season 29 will be starting on the 15th, which I believe is Friday. That is uh, Friday. So as we're recording this, if you're listening to us live, then it's in a few days. And if you're listening to it recorded, it's probably t- yesterday or today. You know, <laughs> so there you go. Um Hearthstone's Fall of Old War mini sets come out on the 19th of September. Yeah, I'm so that's, this correctly. that's next Tuesday. They just announced it today, and it's a, it's a week away. Oh, my God. And uh, I also, by the way, guys, sorry, my eye is not doing great today. Um, on the 19th as well, I'm actually sticking my face right up against the screen here. Uh, WoW's Pirate Day is on the 19th, of next, which is next week as well, next Tuesday. I don't actually like Pirate's Day, but it's a day they're pirates yeah it is rather arduous oh god oh geez dude i do do not have like a bunch of children who groan constantly when you talk i do they go to my (laughs) shop i do want to point out one thing that's really cool about this hearthstone mini set uh if you aren't familiar with mini sets they add a you know you buy them with cash or with gold and they give you a certain number of cards Fixed selection of cards. You don't have to go through any RNG opening packs. Uh, but one of the cards is Chogal, Twilight Chieftain. And he has a particular ability that he that applies to the entire game at the start of the game. It's a 25% chance to corrupt the game with a random anomaly. If you've been playing Hearthstone Battlegrounds Season 5, you're used to these anomalies popping up in the game and totally changing how it plays. And uh, that could be pretty weird. Blizzard gave us a few examples of those, uh, which could be that uh, both players start with Yog Sarand, Hope's End, in their hand. Or both players start with more cards. Or the cards in your starting hand cost less. So if you toss a call in your deck, you have a 25% chance to get something random and maybe good happen. And if both players in a, in a match have call in their deck, got a 50% chance for something weird to happen. I I just think it's interesting for things that shake up the game like this and I'm I think I'm looking forward to it. It'll be new and different. Also, I I wanted to mention this because Liz made this as an addendum, so I want to make sure I don't miss it. We're also going to get possibly uh new dragon races cuz the 10.2 PTR seems to have them showing up on the calendar. There's lots the, of them. The, lots we of still them. have the Eastern Kingdoms Cup, which you know, we already knew about. Then there's an Outland Cup, a Northrend Cup, a Pandaria Cup, and a Broken Isles Cup. And we called this last week. Yeah. We yeah. called yeah. this. So I, I just want to say, yeah, I, I'm proud and bragging. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, go Eastern ahead. Kingdom's Cup starts at uh, early October, October 4th. 
uh, runs for a couple weeks. All of these other races uh, are starting in 2024 with uh, Outland Cup starting uh, January 11th, at least according to the PTR calendar right now. Could yeah. change. And uh, additional Dragon Racing Cups starting about three months space throughout the year. Yeah. There's one in April. That's the Northrend Cup. And then the Pandaria Cup is in, I want to say June? July. No, it's a seven. So it's going to be August. <laughs> oh, no, it's seven. June. July. <laughs> July. It's July. Nope. Nope. That is July. Oh, man. Yeah, seven How can I keep July. up with these? August is eight, so I knew that uh. July was seven. But um, then after the Pandaria Cup, we've got another one in October. Um, the October one that comes up after that will be the Broken Isles Cup. So, yeah. I mean, again, as Liz pointed out, this is just based on the in-game calendar for the, on the PTR. They might change before it comes out. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah. So we got that. What did we not get? We did talk about the system. We'll I, about think, I think we... Pretty much covered everything. I mean, we were yeah. a little sketchy on 10.2, which... Uh, oh, yeah, there's so much more to talk about with 10.2, but the problem guys, is that... Yeah. We're going to the Emerald Dream. There you go. That's 10.2 yeah. in a nutshell. That's like the core cover. Yeah. It is basically... Uh, a, it's it's kind of like a... It's sort of like if we took the Firelands raid and smashed it into the Emerald Dream. It kind of yeah, feels like you yeah. know a clown, a clown car full of fire elementals and a clown car full of druids hit each other, and now we have a raid. Uh, so yeah, it, it is interesting to see. There's a lot of stuff. To tie, it ties together a lot of stuff. The fact that uh, an evil fire dragon monster wants to set Shadowfire. another world tree on fire, and that's yeah. the whole point of this raid. It's like, wow, stakes, man. Uh, we know that world trees do get burned down, so yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting. But yeah, I, at this point, how much time we got? Uh, no, said... do we... Do y'all have time to answer a question? We could try to. Yeah, do let's do it. Question. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with this one because they're a friend of the show. Um, like these, all well, these. Everybody is a friend of the show. Yeah. That's uh, true. That's true. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the, the question from Tetsemi. Uh, with the success of Baldur's Gate Three, what Blizzard lore slash stories would you like to see in a similar format? So we're talking uh, CRPG with a party based gameplay and. And ridiculously good writing. So go with Liz first. What what wow stuff would you like to see have that app? Hmm. I mean, I think any... Ooh, I think one of the things Blizzard does, and we were talking about this in the pre-show, not about Blizzard, but uh, we were talking about Bethesda doing their side stories can be better than their core game stories. I think Blizzard does that a lot too, where it has intriguing side quests that you can dig into and can feel really meaningful and important, but aren't necessarily um, part of the core expansion story um, are kind of just little side tangents to the core expansion story. Uh, man, this is putting me on the spot. I didn't read this beforehand. I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity where maybe we could explore some of these smaller narratives, these narratives that get, get a huge spotlight in the core game side characters are little personal stories that don't get a highlight because it's not not a big action scene but uh warcraft has had some great little narratives like that that don't get a lot of focus because they're not like gameplay and even if they're big story beats we kind of we go past them like i think one of the biggest moments in world of warcraft ever for me was princess talanji in uh the raid name is slipping my mind but going to see uh her father rastakan dying in that raid oh desire lore that was just such a good moment and there's just so much 
pathos in that moment. And, you know, there's so much writing a Talanji's shoulders after. And that does play a key role into in the in this narrative. But you kind of it happens in the raid and you go on, you do the next encounter. And that's kind of that's kind of it. You know, we've had stories about uh, Jaina, where Jaina has been a core part of the Warcraft story for a very long time. Uh, but for a while, it was just like, okay, her town was destroyed, and then she got real mad, and she vanished for a real long time. And, uh, you know, there are stories you could go into that have a lot of emotion that would be interesting to explore in something that was very story-based, that had a, that could dig into that in a way World of Warcraft doesn't always do. Chosen? War of the Ancients. So... We never really got to experience it, and I think it would be really interesting mm-hmm. to maybe get to experience it from the perspective of an adventuring party or a group of warriors from you know back then that were dealing with everything that was coming down around them. Because one of the one of the things that I really like um, when you do like CRPG stuff is inserting it, especially if we're going from the Blizzard side of things, inserting those smaller story experience in the larger narrative. So you have this giant war going on around you. Sort of like, I mean, I'll use Lord of the Rings as an example. There have been games that have done this. Like that's, this is what the MMO does, right? The Lord of the Rings MMO is you're not, you know, Bilbo or Frodo or or Legolas or Gimli. You are members of those races that are still dealing with the world that are, that are, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything that's going on, this huge like confrontation with the uprising of all these evil creatures and everything else. You could do the same thing with, Warcraft. You go back to the War of the Ancients and have this big, massive, you know, essentially world-spanning conflict uh, and have it be navigated as you, the player, as, you know, maybe you're a night elf or maybe you're a troll or or whatever else that's just trying to figure out what the heck is going on in uh, how you survive. And maybe you have side quests that or, or your own adventures that feed into the larger narrative that's happening in the background, because there's all these blank spaces there. We know like the big beats and yes, there have been books written about it, but those big beats still have a backdrop. They still have things that happen. They still have supporting casts that maybe weren't highlighted. And you can really slide uh, like a party in a CRPG into that, into those like, story cracks and sort of like shore it up and have really interesting experiences. And then this way you maybe aren't the, the big hero uh, that saves the world and, and, and everything, but maybe you're the one that facilitates it so that it does happen. Right. So like, I, I think that would be interesting to me. It's Matt? also oh, maybe, it's also maybe interesting to see some of these big moments from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Blizzard mm-hmm. has done like tiny, tiny bits of this here and there. I think of that Legion opening cinematic where there is an extra scene that only the Horde sees where Sylvanas calls a retreat because they're all dying. The Alliance doesn't get that scene. And it's like, wow, the Horde just ran away and abandoned us. And that gave each faction a totally different perspective on what happened there. And I think that was actually pretty interesting. But Blizzard doesn't play with things like that. And so it's... uh, that's something we could go into more that could be really interesting. Okay, you ready for mine? Yeah. Go. So you start off with three friends. They're just three young guys. They're all kind of come from good families, but they're just three young dudes hanging out in Stormwind. And occasionally they go on weird little trips out into the woods and, you know, mess around with some trolls or what have you. They're, they're kind of like imps, pranksters, 
sometimes they start killing people because you know it's a fantasy thing. Then they they realize, you know, we're all getting older, we're growing up, we don't have time for running out around in the woods doing you know adventures anymore. We have to like you know, uh, like for instance, our, our buddy Lane there has to be king. And uh, and Medivh, you do you you've been like slacking on the magic lessons. You got to go do that for a while. And I've got to become you know head of this like knightly order. <laughs> so they break up for a while. But then you get they come back together for one last adventure before everything changes. Mm-hmm. And that's Act One. That's like the <laughs> intro act. And you you don't see how their stories end. You just see their last adventure together where they go stop this thing called Kithix from coming up out of the ground in Stranglethorn. Because that's what happened. If you read Bands of Brothers, that's what happens. So that's what they do. And that's you see that Act 2 is after all the Warcraft games. Not after World of Warcraft, but after Warcrafts 1 through 3. And mm-hmm. it's the story of the people left behind it's like the people who've lived in Azeroth all this time and it's how I sneak my idea that Anduin Lothar had a secret daughter into the game because that's what it's about it's about Anduin Lothar's secret daughter who's been living named Johanna Blueheart this whole time doesn't know she's Anduin Lothar's secret daughter and she comes back and, and we she finds out that she is in fact Lothar's daughter she goes and gets Ashkandi and she you know saves her people and that's boom that's the story and she makes friends with people who are not necessarily alliance so that she can help the whole deal with like the Horde and Alliance making peace over the past few years that we didn't get to see mm. you get to see it from her perspective as she I'm helped it. bring it about that's the one I would make. It's basically Pillars of Eternity. I get that, guys. I know. But <laughs> I don't care. Pillars of Eternity was really good. So, yeah, if I'm going to steal an idea, I'm going to steal from them. But I just love that idea of getting to see Lothar and Lane and Medivh, not as the you know, Titanic lore figures they became, but as a bunch of teenage dirtbags who got up to mischief and ended up saving the world by mistake. <laughs> you know, they, they stopped Kithix and they're like, wow, um, I guess we, we did that. Yeah, I, I guess so. Wow, it would be, it'd be horrible if Sargeras possessed me. What, what, what does that have to do with that? I don't know. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but yeah, that, this, that's my idea. That, but I think that's going to have to do it um, unless you guys want to do one more. I don't know how much time we have. It's uh, 740. I don't know how late we were. Do you guys want to try and do one more or do you want to go? You do one more. Unless Liz is good. Liz? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Hey, Glacier Voyeurs. So I was watching Star Trek Lower Decks, and they did a whole episode about Tuvix. Oh, no. Oh, no. And that got me thinking, which Horde Horde and Alliance figures would you like to see get the Tuvix treatment? I think it would be hilarious if Malfurion and Hamul (laughs) got turned into Hamalfurial, the elf cow druid. Or, ooh, Sylvanas in Tyrande could become the ultimate self-hating person. Anyway, which orc in 40k would have gotten cancer from his own gun except that he decided a suit of armor made from lead and teeth his enemies of course would have po- would have protected him and of course it did because he believed it would i knew uh, your, who this was Korn. i knew who this was before even reading it oh my god oh. Well, why does it always come back to tuvix no no we do not speak of tuvix this is a cursed word I, I I never want to see characters go through that 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 sort of melding. Instead, I would prefer the Freaky Friday treatment, where they swap bodies for like a like a week and have to live in each other's shoes. So instead of having Taronda and uh, Sylvanas becoming one weird amalgamation of undead slash really void elf 
lake slash I am a moon goddess embodying and being embodied here thing. You have them swap and learn what the other one has to deal with all of the time. Or you just put them together in a get along shirt. I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> Liz? I, I like Joe's idea here. I mean, I, I, yeah, but I who would you choose? Who would you we choose to do the mind swap? We don't talk about Tuvix. Um, <laughs> Liz is broken right now. I am. Why did we have to go here? Because Korn, Korn, why did we have because to go Korn here? is a god of chaos. That's why. Well, yeah, yeah. This is this is kind of a high chaos question. I don't know. I don't know. There are. I mean, hmm. There are a lot of characters in Warcraft who are set up to be particularly antagonists to each other and you could switch any of them and kind of get a different you know get a whole different thing and get character growth for both of them i'm not sure who i would i mean you suggested sylvanas and taranda which i think would be really interesting but sylvanas and just about any other character in the game would be interesting because sylvanas has come to the game from such a different perspective than most characters and i think the undead okay. in well, world of warcraft in general the undead have just such a pathos that the game has not really explored that they have been reborn as undead their own families reject them but you know they don't they're trying to scrape out an identity and the game uh we sort of hit that in the novel leading into was it leading into before battle the storm, for Azeroth before, before the storm which i thought was really interesting but you know, put a character from any other race into that role. Well, here's, and that would be that'd be interesting. Here, here's another one that would be real interesting. They're they're members of the same race. You have Thrall and Garrosh swap bodies for a week. Oh, oh boy. Okay. See, I don't fear this question, and I'm gonna Tuvix it. I'm not gonna Okay. Gonna, Matt, gonna, you are you are a chaos demon. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate this question. Um I want it to be a character who would either be known as Variosh. Or Garrick. And I'm going to go with Garrick. <laughs> Garrick would be Garrosh, Hellscream, and Varian Rin jammed together no. into one person. And no. actually, he used to be more like Garen. But, you know, I'm going to keep calling him Garrick. Why not? And I think that they would actually be better that way. Like, because Varian had to learn how to control his anger and his rage. And Garrosh could really have used some of that. And Varian lived his entire life leading up to his role as king having learned how to be responsible and how to accept failure which garrosh wasn't good at doing but get garrosh in turn would bring to the combination of the two of them uh, a much more tactically devious mind and uh, quite frankly just plain more motivated and more you know, Varian had a lot of those melancholy moments where we just sit there and not want to do anything. And I think it would be interesting. And plus, Varian knows what how it, how to to make your two selves combine into one being because he did that with the, the magic sword deal where there were two Varians, one of whom was charming and funny, and the other one who was basically a, a lunatic. So now you just be adding another lunatic in. So it just be he just get a little worse. So yeah, I think I think I think uh, Garian would work or Varrosh. I'm gonna go with Varrosh. Varrosh is good, but uh. I am curious, Joe. Uh, what orc was was Corn talking about? Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure this is he's talking about Gazgul Thraka. Okay, all right. I just I'm curious. I didn't like I'm I am I am relatively confident that he's talking about Gazgul Thraka, who went back in time and killed himself, uh, and then took over his position and redid the timeline because orcs are weird. I love them, but they're weird. 
All right. Well, <laughs> at this point, however, uh, since we had to throw those in really fast, we're going to just uh, try the, to get our end thing. So it's Joe? the time. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. Better chance of having your questions answered on our podcast with a queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, thank you, Liz, for warning us all about the dangers of Tuvix. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave this out there for you, Dan. You might want to name the episode, We Don't Talk About Tuvix. Uh, anyway, though, if you've got a question like the ones that we answered here today, you can go to our email, which is podcast at blizzardwatch.com, and you can put subject or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. I didn't steal the Lore Watch question. I saw and almost did steal it, but I didn't. Uh, or you can go to our Discord. And we've got two channels there. There's the patron Q and podcast questions channel for you patrons. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you for you know giving us money that makes us able to do these things that we appreciate that. Uh, or you can go because not everybody can support us on Patreon. We understand that you can go to our Q and podcast questions non patron channel and you can ask your questions there as well. Uh, we tend to look in both of them, but we do take questions from the, uh, patron channel first because you know you guys are paying for us to do this in the first place uh that all being said uh we are working on a pathfinder 2 DD campaign uh which we're going to be recording at the least uh when that comes out we will have more information we're trying really hard to do another tavern watch as well it's just been crazy guys what is time um, what is time? What is Blizzard's release release schedule? What is the physical bodies we live in all slouching towards Bethlehem to be dead? Just life is a lot right now, but we are we are trying to do it because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, there's been a couple of D and D books released. Um, Paizo is redoing there's... their entire Pathfinder thing with a two two book system instead of just one. There's a lot going on. Uh, there's there's a new D and D book coming out on the nineteenth. Yeah, along so... with everything else so yeah we are so much we are behind and we know it but we are working on it. I, that's go ahead Liz. i would really like to do a fandelver campaign from the new book but also time yeah uh, if if somebody like if a billionaire would kidnap us all and force us to play D in your mansion that'd yeah. be nice yeah or, or yeah, just someone... or just or just become the patron of our our shows yeah <laughs> either Whatever. one of you yeah. is fine less less yeah. kidnapping yeah. No, doesn't like being kidnapped. So no. the second one would be oh, better. Oh, fine. Fine. But uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. And we will be here next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.